Hello, my name is Wilson and welcome to Candid Conversation Podcast. This is a show where we talk about faith and how it intersects with our world. In this episode, I sit down with three amazing creatives, Marumbo Sichinga, Toko Kadewere, and Dalim Zaya, and we talk about faith and art, really diving in to see how faith intersects with art and the role that creatives and the arts can play in city transformation and in engaging culture. So if you're a creative or if you're eager to learn more about how faith and art intersect and how you can use your creative abilities to influence culture, then this show is for you. So jump into the conversation and join us as we navigate through this. A few years ago, uh, when, when City Shaker started, um, you know, we had this crazy dream that we wanted to, to gather creatives and have a conversation around how, you know, the, how creatives play a role uh, in, in influencing culture and engaging culture, you know, and, and just how try to figure out, you know, the link between uh, faith and, and the arts and, and creatives. Now, so a few years ago, we had this crazy dream. So we, we did our first, uh, we called it Unleash uh, Conference, which was a gathering of creatives in South Africa. So we went all the way to SA, uh, gathered a group of creatives in, in Joburg and had a few days with that. And that really sparked off this idea of we really need to engage more and have conversations around how, do, how does our faith uh, intersect with, you know, creativity with the arts because if you're like me and I, and I said this in the last episode I'm as changed as they come you know uh, but it's always been kind of yeah yeah Dali's on the call welcome bro good to have you yeah so so yeah like I was saying I mean if you're like me um, you you probably have had those questions around how do the two link, how, how does my faith and the creative nature that I have and the giftings that I have, how do the two come together and how do they, do they intersect? So that's what started off this idea of having these conversations and gathering people to sit around and talk about these issues. Um, and then from there, we had this idea again, and this is something that has been so strong on our hearts as City Shakers. It's been around, uh, we, we, we believe creatives are catalysts for city transformation. If you're gonna talk about engaging culture, if you're gonna talk about transforming cities, right? Uh, creatives are right at the center of it. I believe they play a unique role in all of that. And I'm hoping today as we talk, we're gonna talk more about that and really have conversations around how, how do creatives see their role in transforming our cities for the better. And when I talk about city transformation, I'm talking about in whatever area you are thinking about, in in rejuvenating our cities and bringing life back to our cities, you know, uh, I believe creatives have a special role that they play in doing all that. Um, so yeah, that that was the other idea behind this to say, let's talk about that and see how creatives play that role in city transformation. And then, I mean, now again, I wouldn't do justice to this if I also don't bring in a conversation about, you know, because this this whole candid conversation series it's really a conversation around trying to to dive deep into the relationship between our faith 
you know, as, as a people of faith and how it intersects with our world, right? And so, I mean, from a theological perspective and just talking about where this comes from again, if, um, I mean, if you read the Bible, uh, amazing fact, right? Two amazing things that I just want to share. Uh, the Bible talks about God being the creator, right? And he, he made everything. He, he created everything. And it also talks about how we were made in his image. And that means, you know, there's something about us that is like him, right? And I believe there is this creative ability which is inherent in us uh, as people. Not, and I'm not talking about just as believers, but as people really, uh, because the one who made us is a creator. And, you know, there is something about him which we are like, which is in us, and therefore we're able to create like it does. So I believe we do have, you know, um, a responsibility and a calling to, to, to co-create with him. Uh, now, if you want to go deeper with that, you know, uh, theologians will, take, will talk about what they call ex nihilo creation, where God made stuff out of nothing. So out of nothing, he made everything to be. And you know, our invitation to co-create with him is really around partnering with him in what he's doing and then using the gifts and the talents that we have to be able to do stuff, you know. But the second part of it, which which when I when I discovered this a few years ago, I was like, okay, wow, you know, uh, the first people in the Bible to be filled with the Holy Spirit were creatives, were craftsmen. Uh, the Bible talks about these two guys, uh, Belazio and I can't pronounce the other guy's name, man. It's just it's just a difficult name. But the guys were craftsmen, and you know you 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 can read Exodus thirty five, I think thirty five thirty six, that talks about that how they were the first people in the Bible to be ever filled with the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit came upon them and empowered them to 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 create and build stuff for the temple, which I find to be amazing now this is where the problem is and this is where we're going to start the conversation now as i pull in pull in our our guest to, to dive in now this is why i have a problem if there's this rich background in this rich history of god the holy spirit creativity and i mean not just in the bible if you read church history some of the most amazing people who have shaped culture were creatives right and most of them were 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 christians as well and now so where did we lose it where did we go wrong because i look at it now and i'm like we have so much creative talent out there i mean i, I think our generation is like super gifted in so many ways but I, I really feel there's a lot of, uh, what can I say? Uh, creatives are undervalued. Uh, the church has misunderstood and has sort of kind of, you know, cast creatives aside. And I'll give you an example as, as, I, as, I, as I shut up because I talk too much. Now, think about this. Uh, fun fact, right? Uh, if you look at guys like some of the big artists that you can think of right now, Talk of Beyonce, talk of, I'm not going to mention R. Kelly, we canceled R. Kelly, but <laughs> talk of a lot of those big mainstream artists, right? Most of them started their art in the church. They started singing in the church, but along the way, you know, we, we chased them away. That's the sad truth, truth about it. So I, I'm concerned about that. 
but I feel there's a place for us to have conversations about these issues and start thinking how do we utilize this amazing gift that creatives are to shake the world, to change the world, man, to make the world a better place. So, so this is why we're having this conversation today. So I want to invite uh, Marumbo, Dali, Toko to just come in now and just say hi. And then maybe as a start off point, maybe you guys can just give your opening thoughts, man, around this whole this whole subject around creativity, how it intersects with our things. So yeah, uh, who wants to go first? Maybe let's start with Toko, then we come to Marumbo, then Dali. Yeah, let's do it. Hi, Wilson. Hey. Um, take a, oh, great. I was about to say, let me just check if you can hear me. I am glad you can. Um, thank you so much for inviting me to be a part of this. So, um, you know, just the conversation of art and faith and just Christianity in general, for me, it really hits home because that's one thing that I've struggled with. I started out in the industry, I think that was maybe around 2013, 2014, thereabout. And I wasn't really much of a Christian then. I knew about Christianity. I knew what that was about, but I can't really say I was devoted to the church per se. Um, and a couple of years later, I figured, you know, this is the kind of life that I actually want to live. I want to um, do media and be a part of the industry and still be able to worship God. Now, the battle that I had was to then say, you know, how does that work? And um, especially if you're not particularly working in, I could say, the, the Christian sector per se, because I was doing a lot of circular work. So how can I still be a Christian and how can I still do circular work? Like, how do I balance that out? And um, I remember talking to a lot of people about it and also praying about it as well. And I came to the conclusion to say that, you know, it's quite easy as a Christian and as a creative to just settle in, in places where um, you there's safety. So it's, um, it's very easy to say, you know, I'm gonna stick to the church um, and that way I don't have to mingle with, you know, sinners or whatever it is we, we choose to call them. Um, but at the end of the day, we're called to be the light of the world. And if you're going to be the light in, of the world and actually shine, then you can't shine in a place where there's already light. You have to go out into the darkness and be the light. Um, and also the revelation that I had concerning that was basically to say that, um, especially with the kind of work that I do, that it's not every environment that I'm in that will scream Jesus in there, you know. Um, there's sometimes that I have to organize events and I know that it's not particularly the, you know, the, the most Christian thing to do at that point. But um, I also have, I could say, I've made peace with knowing that um, when I'm in those spaces where, you know, Jesus isn't screaming out loud and it doesn't scream Jesus or Christian or God or church, then I have to be that, you know, I have to be the one um, who the being in that space that basically glorifies God and, um, you know, just screams about his greatness, even through my work. And especially in moments where I feel like my Christianity, my Christianity could be compromised. And also um, it gets tricky with the work that I do to say that um, it's not everything that I, I do. For example, I write as well. So I'm not always going to write about, um, well, I don't always write about God. I don't always like read verses and whatsoever in my in my writing. However, I do have moments where, um, you know, I Christianity is basically a way of life. So 
as I feel like as, as long as I'm living like a Christian, it doesn't, you know, it's not everything that literally has to reek of God. As long as I know that my relationship with him is, um, is, is stable. So yeah, I, I guess that's where I pretty much stand at the moment. Awesome. Uh, thanks, Toko, for that. You you bring in something very exciting, which we'll, we'll, I will ask after after Marumba and Dali come in. Uh, so yeah, Marumba, over to you. Right. Uh, first of all, thank yeah, thank you for having me on this. Um, been looking forward to it all week. Uh, I I personally don't have. Uh, a sacred and like secular divide. I think all work is sacred. I think if you're Christian, whatever it is that you do um, is an act of worship towards God. And I think part of the misconception has been that if you're a Christian and you create art or you do certain things and you have to have a verse in it or it has to say Jesus for you to be God honoring or um, something that God um, like appreciates. And I think for me, where creativity and faith meet is, is an excellence. And it's in the fact that God has given us minds and imagination that we can imagine and create things that, that might seem obvious or that other people won't see. But at, at the same time, we can create quote unquote new things. Um, and so for me, I just, I just try to work hard and make sure that my art is, is good. <laughs> Might not always be, um, but I try to, to do the best that I can with my art and to treat it as such. And I might write a poem that uh, is directly linked to, to God and he might have a verse and I might write a poem about love but in, in each instance I want to be God honoring and I want my work to, to really show excellence um, and there's a lot that can be said about like faith and admitting our work or admitting our ability to create and what we do with our art and how we approach work and how we approach life in general as well so yeah um, I'm not going to say too much just yet but yeah I think that's that would be my two cents um, now yeah, passed on to Dali. I think he, he has wiser words. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Dali, come in, come in, man. <laughs> okay, can you guys hear me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can, All we right, can. Cool. Um, so for me, like Toho, I actually started out in media as well at a very young age. Uh, but the opposite with me and her is that I was a Christian. So when I was nine, yeah, I was very young. My uncle used to be the national director of a radio station called Transworld Radio. Some of you may know it. Uh, they used to do this thing in December called Children's Day of Broadcasting. So I went there for the first time and did it for that day. I enjoyed it, you know. And then the following week, I went for another program session, you know, just because I liked it. But I went there and one of the uh, program managers there, she actually works for Health for Planning Malawi now. Her name is Joy. She was like, dude, you should come every week. I started going weekly and I started to fall in love with it. And I knew that media is something I wanted to do. On the flip side, I used to uh, hang out with a lot of artists. So I knew some artists from Malawi and around who are really, really talented, who are really good at what they do. But the, the, the content wasn't being praised as much as the, the white, what you call it, the mainstream content was, and that really used to mess with me because I'm like, you guys are really dope, but there's no platform that's gonna praise them because they have the Christian tag on them, you know. And so that just like stirred up in me because I also bring up and watch channels like 
channel or MTV base and I see the excellence those guys are doing. And then I'll go back to our TPN, our one post show and seeing what's going on in those in those channels, like what's going on here. You know, <laughs> if they could do this, if they could do that, maybe they should add this, you know. And so for me always that stirred in me the passion and hunger to to make a difference, to add value, not just to the Christian art sort of thing, but to basically the art. Because there's even some the secular side of things that are doing things that are not really, you know, presentable. Like if you can, if, if I can point down and say that's Malawi entertainment, and, and I'm in, I'm in essence, and I look at some platforms or some like content that's being shared, I, I would, you know, put my head down. I, I don't want that in Malawi. I just want, I really have a hunger and, uh, and thirst for the content that is excellent and all that stuff. So that's what dropped into media. And that is why I'm in media and. I mean, the divide between faith and faith and what and media and culture and entertainment. Uh, I mean, it's it's always been tension, but I, I guess we're gonna get into it as, as we go. On. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, sure. Uh, thanks. Yeah, because I wanna ask, I want us to jump right into that conversation around the the seemingly evident divide. I mean, and it's there because people talk about it a lot, you know, between secular and spiritual, right? Uh, now, one of my favorite quotes when I think about this is Martin Luther. You said something so powerful. You said, the job of a Christian artist, uh, no, no, the job of a Christian cobbler is not to make shoes with little crosses, you know, that say Christian shoe. No, but it, it is to make good shoes so that when people wear them they're comfortable and they enjoy them right and so it has always that has kind of always shaped my my theology around this and my thinking around this to say i i i, I always believed our job is not necessarily to to paint everything jesus you know but rather i love what marumbo said and said the the intersection between faith and creativity is excellent so he believes when he's doing his art with excellence then he is glorifying Jesus, you know, and I think that's that's so profound. So I want us to dive, talk more about that, and I want to give another analogy, which I know might be a bit, you know, controversial, but I, I really don't think it is. Um, Lecrae is infamous for saying, "I'm not, I'm not a Christian artist. I'm an artist who is Christian." And I know there was a big debate about that, you know. Others are saying, "Oh, you've backslidden, you've lost the faith. You should stand strong," you know. Yeah, so. What makes art Christian? What, what, what makes it Christian? And if, if there is something that makes art Christian, uh, then what is it? What is the recipe? Is it like a formula so that, you know, we can sprinkle it towards Lecrae's way? <laughs> because evidently, you know, there is that uh, discourse around that. So yeah, let's talk about that. Uh, secular, spiritual, Christian art, art, being a Christian, so let's put all those ingredients into the pot and just just shoot. So anyone can shoot. You know, you guys come through and, and let's talk about that a bit. I think can I go first? Um, especially with like Cray in mind. I'm a I'm a big fan of his work. Let me just put it out there. And I just want to say it would be okay. Trying to be very but my my thing is with people like him, they're very special and they're a, a unique breed. One person who I would 
I would associate him with in Malawi would be someone like Sapi, even KBG, because these are people who move in spaces where your Christian artist wouldn't actually move into or deeper. And when Lacroix says he's a Christian artist and not, I mean, he's an artist who's Christian and not a Christian artist, to me, it really makes sense because I look at him as an artist first, but his art is informed by who he is, who he is in Christian. And so whatever it is, he'll speak on the mic or be informed based on who he really is and uh, where he's coming from. My dad, my dad is my dad is not a Christian. I always have that in mind. Like he is a Christian who happens to be in now I mean granted like crazy in a space where his influence is probably bigger than my dad. But even in that sort of situation, that is when your authenticity really, really short. You know, where I'm someone who proclaims or professes to be a Christian. You're in circles that are are not necessarily Christian circles. And you are in spaces that have people who are not Christian and your faith actually drives you or it it what? It it shows up for you in those places. I've had conversations with artists like Safi who have publicly been bashed for not or for hardly uh or like diluting their songs or messages. That's what people have like called them out to be. But if you really know people like them and the people who approach them, you'd be even shocked. Like he can't stand on the hill. Tokoto came to me and told me that she's struggling with ABC and I've been helping her out. You know what I'm saying? Like Marumbo came to me and told me, but this, those are the kind of conversations he has with people you wouldn't even expect that he's having those conversations with. And that's because of the influence he has as a Christian who happens to be an artist. You know, Safik doesn't, and I'm not trying to make this a Safik, I'm not even trying to make this an any other thing, but people who, um, who hold those titles who, who, who would probably say, yes, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian who happens to be uh, a presenter. I'm a Christian, but I'm also this professor. Are people who I would want to give them a benefit of the doubt, especially when they're in situations or rooms of influence and they allow their Christian values and their Christian faith to not only dictate what they're going to say or do, but like, it's just, I'm going all over the place, but I get, I, I hope you guys know what I'm trying to say. So, with people like Lecrae, my man, bro. Hey, my guy. <laughs> <laughs> He's our guy. <laughs> all right. And like, I, yeah, man. No, I hear you, man. I totally, I totally hear you and agree with you. Let me, let me ask uh, uh, either Marumbo or Toko to come in if they also have something they want to add to this. I see Toko's uh, mic is off. Is it's on now. It's on, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just wanted to laugh at Ali being territorial about Lecrae. But <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I also understand where Dali is coming from. I can't really say I'm a fan of Lecrae. I'd be lying, you know. Um, but I understand the, the, the concept of saying that I'm not a Christian artist. I am an artist and I just so happen to be a Christian. Um, I feel like, you know, Christianity is not a genre, first of all. So 
to 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 say that I'm a Christian artist or I'm a Christian this, I'm a Christian that, it's kind of offensive. And I feel like it dilutes what Christianity actually is. And it's a way of life, like I said before, you know? And so there's, when you're a Christian, there's not one aspect of your life that isn't Christian. You know, there's there's not a, a, a um, say, your relationships are supposed to be Christian. You're um, your job is supposed to reflect that you're a Christian. And so when you say that I'm a Christian artist, it's obvious, you know, and it's unnecessary. Um, so there's that aspect. And I also feel like by saying that you're a Christian artist, you, um, from an artist's perspective, you kind of remove a whole host of, you know, people that you could actually interact with as an artist, irregardless of the fact that you're a Christian, or even when you're not a Christian, you know? So for example, if you say, like Lecrae, he's a hip hop artist, right? Um, so if he were to be labeled a Christian hip hop artist, what happens then is that we remove, uh, I don't know, maybe 60% of people who could have listened to his music just because he's now identified as Christian and people don't really roll that way. And, you know, art, like we said earlier, it isn't always reeking of Christianity. It's not always um, the gospel verses or whatever, as long as it's excellent, like Marumbo said, and as long as um, in one way or the other, it's glorifying God, then it is Christian work. So to then turn around and say that, um, to, to label certain um, things as Christian and to leave out the other things and say that's not a Christian thing, I feel like it's quite offensive. Um, so, you know, I, I, I do get when he says that, you know, I want to identify as an artist and I just so happen to be a Christian. You know, it's the same thing, um, like I said earlier, it's not really, Christianity is not a genre. When it comes to Christian art, um, for people who really want to identify that deeply with it, I feel like there's things like worship music, there's things like gospel music maybe. But when it comes to actual, you know, these other genres, when it comes to reggae, when it comes to hip hop, when it comes even, you know, movies, I feel like it's it, it's pointless basically to say that, um, I'm a Christian artist or I'm a Christian this. So yeah, that's basically my stance on it. Interesting, interesting class that you're bringing there, Toko. Let me ask Marumbo to come in because his smile says, I got something to say. <laughs> um, I mean, <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll say this though. I, I, I'm a Lecrae fan as well. Um, I've been listening to Lecrae for a long time. And I'm... <sighs> I think part of the part of the disconnect is, um, I think as fans we know Lecrae the artist and not Lecrae the person, and like maybe you get a glimpse of like Lecrae the person over interviews, but not really the person. So you can also sense the fact that he's human, like he's a human being. He's got his own short fours. He's own. He's also got like theology that he understands that allows him to search certain things like that, right? And so I think for me, part of the problem with Lecrae coming out with that statement was the timing that he did. It was at a time where he was branching out as a musician, he was having growth, and he was taking on quote-unquote secular artists. Now, at that time, not all his fans had the same theology that he had. I mean, his, his opinion is probably similar to mine in the sense that he doesn't believe in a sacred or secular divide. But he didn't explain that. All he said was, well, I can, I can have a song with Ty Dollar Sign and um, it's fine. And he didn't really explain why he would, why it's okay for him to be able to do that. That was my issue with it. So now the hypocrisy with like Christians is we're all listening to Ty 
dollar sign when we're not in church, but then we want to act like Amen. we don't listen to him all Amen. of a sudden because like like Cray is like on a song with him. So you know what I mean? Like yeah. I'm listening to I'm listening to John Legend, but then all of a sudden it's a problem just because like Cray's got a song with John Legend. And so the other the other like subtle thing that happened there as well, which like the criticism came from was it was one one six six since day one. It was yeah. gospel gospel artists. It's one one six. It's Jesus. This is Jesus. That, and then for him to come out with that statement, I feel like he needed to explain what was happening. So it felt like a transition. Now, like understand why I'm criticizing it. My my criticism is not not to say that he did something wrong. It's just as fans, we 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 tend to have a holding artist as if they're our property and forget that they're human. That, I think that's more the point that I was saying. So even like Kray as a human being, he's evolved over time. His theology has evolved over time. The things that he believed were right and wrong. Like you think about like um, when Rebel came out. As a new Christian, we were all like that. As, as a new Christian, I've said some things as a new Christian where I look back and I'm like, why did I say that? <laughs> I would never say that now because you know I'm new in the faith. I've just learned a bunch of theology and I'm, I'm going hard. And you have to understand that Lecrae has gone through that process of like growing in his theology and his understanding of scripture, what it means for him to be an artist, a father, a provider. And so I don't think, my point is we don't give artists the same grace that would give them. So again, back to the point, we listen to Ty Dollarson when we're not in church, but all of a sudden Lecrae does a song with him and it's a problem. And we won't offer him the same grace and it's like, oh, he's a sellout because all <laughs> of a sudden he's done something that you and I already do. But I think, I don't think he did anything wrong. I think um, again, for me, I think at the end of the day, um, what we forget is that hip-hop artists, that's their job. Same thing with uh, Truth. When Truth comes to Malawi, he's coming to minister, yes, but he's also coming to make money. He needs to feed his kids, he needs to pay his rent, he needs to pay for his flight. So his music touches us, and like we, we relate with God, but at the end of the day, he also needs to pay his rent. So yeah, yeah. I feel like sometimes we need to have a good balance on, like, he's a Christian, he's an artist, he's quote-unquote a Christian artist, but he also has bills to pay. He needs to sell records. He needs to sell merchandise. And if he's coming to Malawi, his flight needs to be paid for, et cetera, et cetera. So I could go on and on. But like for me, I think it's just, we need to understand both sides of the coin before we are quick to judge. And Talk about that know. booking fee, hey? <laughs> oh, yeah. How, much, yeah. How, how expensive these guys are even, bro. <laughs> you know, and, and, and I feel like um, because... There's such a culture of silence generally in the church. We, we don't talk about that because when, when you reach out to Truth's team or whoever it is and they send you an invoice, bro, <laughs> you know, then all of a sudden the conversation changes around how people have lost the heart of service. You know, I, I've heard that one, you know, like um, people have lost the heart of service and all that. Now, I want to jump on that actually and link this to maybe, because uh, that's, that's like a big, level whereby you're inviting someone and then probably they charge you. I want to take it to maybe at, you know, local level where I'm sure you guys would relate to this whereby uh, because you, you're an artist, especially if you're still up and coming, there's the issue of exposure because apparently creatives have, have this currency called exposure that they used to buy in shops and, and wherever, right? So I just want to hear your experience around that. But then secondly, linked to that as well, I want us to talk about the link between service or the, what's the, the, the dividing line between service um, and also 
making a living out of your art, right? Uh, I'll give an example. Um, I mean, there's been a, a huge conversation especially in South African church circles. I've, I've followed it uh, for a while. It, it, well, not necessarily now, but a few months or a year back or so. It was around um, musicians and artists who were now refusing to, to play in church because they were saying, well, the pastor is getting paid. The administrator is getting paid. Why are we not getting paid and we're being asked to serve when others are getting paid? So... I want us to talk about that a bit, you know, just jumping on the previous conversation. What are your views around that? Because there could be, you know, other people who are watching who listen to this and maybe they're, they're in that space as well, whereby they're like struggling to find the balance between that. Maybe some are even scared to, to send an invoice to someone because they're Christian brother or a sister, right? So, so how do you navigate that? What are some of the things that you guys have had to do as you've been growing in your in your art and you know to just find that balance? Um, I think uh, you asked about the revenue, Marian. But uh, the word stated the word uh, what? Exposure, exposure, service, exposure. Okay, yeah, exposure. Um, that's a, it's an interesting thing for me, especially because I work with artists. And so in my work with artists, I know that I can't really place a price tag on how much you think you're worth. But as we work together, or as we're starting to work together, we can see how much we can get from your services, especially in different uh, markets, you know? And so as I work with Christian artists, it's been apparent in certain circumstances where we ask for a price tag, which is they're deserving of it. But there's also been times where we have accepted that exposure payment because we know of how much uh, leverage you're going to get by being exposed to that market. So I can give you an example of someone like Karaka, who is an artist I work with. He is going to be performing next week at the Urban Influencers Conference, the South African online, it's going to be an online conference. And he wasn't actually supposed to perform in the first place. But because I'm friends with the organizer, I asked him not to pay us even, I'm just like, yo, just give because I know how him being on that um, on that program where Marumbo is also part of it, he's gonna be able to go, we're gonna be Rory Sang, and Rory Sang is like she's big in everything, you know. It's gonna be Sisle, Sisle Zulu, she was an idol at some point and she's now an actress. You know, so I know all those people and I know how much leverage Karaka can have or just like him being exposed to that much. So we're going to spend for the production of him being there, but he's not going to get paid anything. He's going to get exposure tax, you know. But another artist who I can manage or who I can work with who has actually done the groundwork would look at the exposure card as something that doesn't work for him because he's like, dude, I can go perform on a live stream somewhere else and they're going to pay me. I don't need that, you know. And so... That's that's basically how I look at it. I've, I've 
come to this because I had a conversation with um, a few Malayans. There was this thing at MHub that happened, and one of the artists asked me, like, ah, we're just getting shows, you want to book us for free in Chani. And then he said, but guys, look at it this way. If you get booked for a free show, go there, but go with merch. You know, go with merch you're going to sell. You're going to get money from that merch. You might not get money from the performance. You're going to get money from the merch. You know, so always know the value of that market and what that market can come back and kind of like invest back in you. He calls it uh, investing in your portfolio. Because now that you are, well, like you're now connected or you're networking with the people there, who knows what other things you might get. And they might not be paying gigs. But because you have certain merch you're selling, uh, you're going to make money from selling your merch and your brand is now at a, you know, brand, yeah, growth in that. So that's been my experience with that. Now, the second question you asked, I was actually having a conversation with my little brother because my little brother plays drums and keys. And he was like, you know, one of these days, you guys who do shows, you have to start paying us, you know? And I'm like, yeah, I hear you and I get you because... There's always been that thing as well. I, I'm, I'm glad that some churches actually adopted that, where they're actually putting the people who play on salary, which is a good thing. Because the same people who are playing in churches are going to be the same people who are being booked by a mainstream artist, and the mainstream artist is actually going to pay them. And you have a situation where on Sunday they're not there. It's not that fault. They're being paid. Like, they are being, that's how they're earning a living. You can't really. Now demonize them, but hey, you you lost your first love, you know. But like, yeah, but God gave him the talent, you know. And I know situations. I can't really speak much on it. Like in churches where Jasmine actually like asked to take a break because too much on them, and the church had to like need to have the love and talk to let let actually that thing get. And these guys are now being paid. And the other churches where I I was here, I don't know who told me this. They're saying that they they actually I think it's the CCAB church where the people who play in the praise team are paid to the point that when they mess up <laughs> it's on contract like yo you say what's going on here you know <laughs> so it's, it's actually dope to see that Malawi churches are adopting that and yeah man that that's been my experience with the two yeah. Yeah, no, it's uh, interesting that you, you say that. Um, You're spilling tea, man. <laughs> <laughs> He's dropping the tea. It's like them files. <laughs> you just literally overturned the pot of beans. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> My bad. Hey, but hey, we're, we're here for, for those open, honest conversations, right? That's why we call this candid conversations, because we need to talk about this stuff. Yeah, so Toko, Marumbo, you want to jump in on that? Oh, yeah. Um, for me, there's always certain questions that I ask myself. In as much as I'm a, you know, I'm a Christian, I'm also, I, I feel like I'm a, I'm a professional. And when it comes to me being professional, on someone else's projects, I need to get paid for them, you know? Um, but then there's always the, the side where it's also, um, it's a conversation that I have to have with myself. Um, and I guess the biggest question for me is always, why am I doing this? You know, am I doing this for exposure? And when we talk about exposure, that means I'm not getting paid because the audience that is there will 
at one point in time, hopefully soon, you know, turn into revenue for me. So if you, an organizer of an event, for example, don't pay me for hosting your event, then that means that you know that there's certain people in your audience that are capable of paying me at some point, you know, at one point or the other for rendering the same service or for rendering other services because they knew me from your platform. Um, and so I, I feel like most times when people come to you and say, um, oh, you know, we're going to pay you an exposure. Most times they don't actually pay you an exposure. You pay them an exposure. You know, you, you find that you go to, to something and you as an artist, for example, you are bigger than the platform that you're on. And so technically you're paying them, you're bringing in the audience for them. And you're not really getting anything in return. And so I feel like we've also um, abused the word exposure. We, we have used it to even, you know, um, I've forgotten the word, but basically use artists um, and, and avoid paying them. And the same thing with God and the same thing with service, you know, to say that, oh, no, you know, you're rendering a service to God. Don't think of it as rendering a service to people. It's a service to God. And, you know, it's... <laughs> It's, I've, ha I've had people say this to me before, and it's a, it's a very, it's interesting, you know, for me, because it, it says to me that you, you think you're in a position where you can talk about the relationship that I have with God and what God is saying to me to a point where you get to, to have a say in that, to say that, you know, this is you rendering a service to God, whereas God didn't tell me that I have to render that service. And that's another question that I have to ask myself when um, I, I am considering being a part of something to say that, you know, um, what does God have to say about this? Because when it comes to serving, it's, even though we're called to serve as Christians, we're not called to serve everywhere. You know, there's always limits and boundaries to where you can serve and how you can serve. And even when you are able and um, capable, you know, you have the capability to serve in the spaces that you're called to serve at a certain point in time, it could be that um, according to God or what God is saying to you, you're not supposed to serve in those spaces. You know, I had a conversation with a friend of mine, um, uh, I think that was a few weeks ago, and she is basically, she's a great teacher. You know, she could stand on stages and, and, and preach on podiums and, you know, people would be mind blown. And I said to her, why is it that you're not, um, you're not doing this? You know, I feel like this is something you're called to do and you're not, you're not really utilizing it. And she said to me, yeah, I know. And I, I did it at some point, you know, a couple of years ago, I actually was, um, um, I was doing missionary work and, and stuff, but I, had a conversation with God about it. I prayed about it. And in this particular season, I am not supposed to be doing this. I'm in a season where I'm learning and I'm growing and I'm watching from the sidelines and I'm serving in other ways that don't require me to be on stage. And, you know, it made a lot of sense to me. So I feel like that's also a conversation that people need to have with themselves. Now, when you switch that around, you know, someone could um, go to her and say that, you know, you could get paid in exposure or we could even pay you real money you know to to stand on this podium to do this and to do that but at the end of the day if god says that is not the place you're supposed to be at in this point in time irregardless of how talented you are in that area then you're not supposed to do it you know and it's not for people to say that oh but you're rendering a service to people because if um if you're doing something 
whether or not it looks good. If God hasn't sent you to do that thing at the end of the day, it's filthy rags, you know? So it, it's, it's quite a, a, a tricky, it's a tricky place to be in, but I basically have to have conversations with myself. Sometimes I have to have conversations with others. I've spoken to Dali so many times, you know, um, in other areas where I say, you know, there's this gig I've, you know, um, I've been asked to do this. I don't really like the pay or I'm not really getting paid for this. Should I really go for it? And sometimes he'll be like, no, that is a trash offer. Don't do it. <laughs> and other times he'll be like, yeah, definitely. You should definitely do it. You know, so I feel like um, there's this limits, you know, there's limits, there's mountains and valleys and there's so many um, loopholes in it. Yeah. yeah awesome. Um you need to get new advisors, by the way. I'm just saying. Uh, Maruma, <laughs> do you want anything to add on to this? I'm just realizing now that it's we were only left with 10 minutes. I don't know how time flew, but yeah, we're left with 10 minutes. <laughs> you want to add anything on this? Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, I had a couple of thoughts as people are sharing, um, just on exposure, service, and making money. I think, I think for me, where I start off is... Um, Myself from the artist end. I think as artists, we can be entitled at times. And I think there's, there's an idea and an element where we have to, you have to earn your stripes, basically. So from a, let's say from a poetry point of view, just because maybe as a poet, I think I'm as good as Q, doesn't mean I can charge as good as Q. I need to earn my stripes. I need to, I need to do the work to prove my worth. And sometimes that comes with doing free shows. And that's what they call exposure. That, that comes with going to places where you didn't feel like going, but for the sake of that 10, 20 fans that you're gonna get from that show, that experience of um, somebody seeing you that wouldn't have seen you if you hadn't gone to that show. So you, you can't just be entitled and think, well, I'm good enough, and then I just need to charge or I can't do certain shows. On the flip side, I think having also organized events, I think we throw around the word exposure and exposure and exploitation are not the same thing. We, we, we tend to exploit artists because we don't want to pay them. So we'll give you the word exposure, but not really create a platform that you have to be able to quantify what exposure is. So for me, if it's exposure, I need to meet somebody that's either going to gain a fan, either I'm going to meet somebody that might find my next show. Either has, exposure has to be quantifiable. And at the very least for me, um, if you're not going to pay me what I think I'm worth, then don't make me pay to come to perform, right? So if I need transportation, if I need it to practice or something, you have to cover my bare minimum cost for me to be there so that I'm not paying to come to the show if, if, if that's what we're trading. So if you want to trade my service for free, don't make me pay to come to your show. At least sort out my transportation. Sort out the fact that maybe I have a, a guy playing guitar that needs to be paid. So you don't have to pay for me, but you have to pay for him because he's putting in work unless he agrees to, to, to do it for free as well. And same thing with, with service in the church. We, service is not, it's not guilt-induced. You can't guilt-trip people into serving. God wants us to serve willingly. So you can't come to artists and be like, oh, but it's service. No, they, they have to be willing to say, well, I'll do it for free. Yeah. At the same time, we need to understand they need to make a living. So for me, like, let's say KVG. KVG does music and art. Even if I'm organizing a church event, I know that KVG has a family, he has a baby at home, when he's going home, his wife will ask him, where were you today, babe? Ah, I was performing. How much did they pay you? That's what his wife cares about. So you need to make sure that he's fed and his family is fed. So there needs to be a balance. And yeah. you can ask for, for 
people service, but you can't guilt trip people into serving because service has to be something that is voluntary. Same yeah, thing with exposure. I think I think you, I think you you wrap it up quite well by saying when it comes to the issue of service, service can never be guilt induced. It has to be out of a willing heart. And if I decide that I want to serve, and you know, the initiative has to be mine to be willing to to serve in that way. So yeah, I think I think you sum it up quite nicely. Now I we lost Sarah. Sarah had a question somewhere, and unfortunately, I saw the message late, and I, I, I've seen she's she's no longer on the call. Um, but maybe I want to jump in, which could which would be our last question, really. And I'll also check on the Facebook chat to see if if there are any questions that are coming in. Now, as as we close this, uh, I'll just bunch. I had a couple of questions. I'll just bunch them into one question, really. Um, about engaging culture, it's a buzzword. Everyone talks about it. What in the world is that? <laughs> what is engaging culture? How do we engage culture? You know, and, and what role do creatives play in that? Because I, I feel like sometimes we get so excited about this buzzword and they lose meaning and, you know, because we just talk about it, you know, and we don't really even know what it is. So I just want to hear from your perspective, you know, uh, how do you think as artists, as creatives, you know, uh, your calling is when it comes to engaging culture. What does that look like for you? And you know how how do we do ensure that uh, you know creatives are are released, uh, are supported to be able to do this? So so yeah, I think let me end there for now with the question, and I'll ask you guys to just jump right in, maybe like a minute each, because I wanna I want us to keep time as we close the conversation. Um. So would you want to go first? <laughs> okay, I'll go first. Um, yep. Engaging culture, that's a very fancy word. You can put it on the TV. <laughs> culture engager. <laughs> okay. uh, yeah, man. I mean, the way I see it, the way I view it, is being able to navigate through what's going on in the world around us, being informed, being well-informed, not just informed, being well-informed and having a well-thought, uh, not analysis, but like having a well-thought view that is driven by you being informed, but also your values. You know what I'm saying? So uh, like in the business I'm in with Social Life, we do a lot of entertainment content and there's a lot that happens that are outside my values, ethics, or whatever, you know? But I still need to be informed with uh, what's going on to be able to pick down the story of what's going on. So I'll give an example of something that happened. And I usually get phone calls, especially from Christian, you know, which is weird because they don't want to seem as if they know what's going on, but they want to know what's going on. And then they'll call me and be like, yo, what do you, what's that Hazel Mike and nothing to say? You know, and because I am in the entertainment mix and I know what's going on, I have the explanation for them. But they'll want to look as if they don't want any part of it. They don't want to know what's going on, you know, and, and stuff. But like, I feel like that is what engaging couches is. And so you'll be in situations where, I know I've been in situations where, I need to have an informed view about things that are going on. And because as a Christian, we usually like want to include ourselves 
like we're in this bubble, this is all we do. And if you guys are doing that, nah, bro, like we are here. But like when you engage culture, you not a relevant thing, but it's a you know what to say, when to say, and how to say it in a way that defies, in a way that informs, in a way that also just helps whoever it is you're talking to. I work for Young Life, and that's, there's, a, there's this unstated rule that says every Young Life leader should watch two hours of MTV every week. So just so <laughs> we know what's going on. Oh, that's super so that when we go meet When we go meet the kids, we should know what's happening. We can't go meet the kids now and be talking about Britney Spears. You know, like, <laughs> when's the last time you heard anything about Britney Spears? But when you go now, you should be able to know. Oh, Justin Bieber just got married. Like, what? Yeah. You know, and you're having a good, you know, you're having a good conversation with people. So that's how I view engagement out. All right. But since you were... I mean, uh, watch out for my text after this, bro. <laughs> I need some tea. <laughs> yeah, Toko, you want to come in? And then I'll, I'll go to Barubo last. <laughs> All right, sure. Um, you, you asked a question about how we can be supported. First of all, data must fall. Sorry, I had to put that in there. Data must yes. fall. Use yes. data quotes, man. You know, um, I feel like that's the one way that we can be supportive. But like on a serious note, not that that is not serious. It's it's so serious. But I feel like um, that's something that we, we need to focus on that. You know, we, we tend to say, oh, we can't do life without art. We can't do this without art. But when it comes down to it, we don't want to support art. You know, we don't want to buy art. We, we don't want to be in spaces where art is being promoted. We, you know, we, we're just so lax about it. Um, especially when it comes to places where decision makers are concerned. And so the government isn't doing much or, you know, private companies aren't doing much when it comes to supporting artists. You know, so I feel like that's something we should definitely, um, um, we should do better at. And when it comes to engaging culture, I feel like for you to be able to engage culture, first and foremost, you need to be authentic. You know, you need to know who you are and what it is you're trying to do because culture is you know it's it's something it's a way of life i i feel like i've been saying this a lot you know this way of life thing but um culture really by definition is a way of life so if it's a way of life it means that everybody is doing it you know it's basically a trend of some sort and so if you're not going to be authentic what you're basically doing is speaking into something that everybody else is already speaking on and so when people are making screw screw music you feel like you need to have a voice in that as well and yes, it's trending, but how does that make you different? How, how does that make you a person who um, influences culture or engages culture, or even creates culture, you know? So I feel like um, to, to engage culture, you need to have an authentic voice. You need to have an authentic personality. You need to know what it is you're bringing to the table and to not let every single trend, you know, blow you away. Like you can't be a part of everything. So I feel like that's something that a lot of creatives have trouble with. You know, when someone says the end color for the season is purple, all of a sudden you want to make a song called purple, you want to wear purple, you want to paint yourself purple, tint your hair purple, make everything purple, you know, but that doesn't make you um, different from other people because at the end of the day, if you're going to use purple because purple is trending, then there's a bunch of other people who are doing the same thing and it doesn't make you different. You know, it just makes you the same as the masses. And I feel like, that rules you out as a creative. <laughs> you can't be the same as, a, as the masses and be a creative. To be a creative, you have to create. 
and um i feel like i just dropped a bar i'm just gonna <laughs> i'm just gonna leave it at that <laughs> yeah mic drop <laughs> yeah mic drop all right yeah marumbo come in come in yeah i mean i think a lot has already been said um I think from a Christian perspective, um, I think one of our problems is we're insecure. So we're like the kids in high school sitting on one table and we were only happy when the cool kids give us validation. So this is like, you know, when Justin Bieber, for example, says, I love Jesus and all of a sudden it's cool to be Christian. Kanye says, I love God. And all of a sudden it's like, yeah, yeah, Christianity is now validated because the cool kids say it's cool. Not, like, not, not to say that those people can't or aren't saved, but just to say that we seek validation from other people. So it's only acceptable or could be Christian when Justin Bieber or Kanye does it. And I think we just need to be secure in who we are as, as Christians and our identity and continue to create our own art in our own form and our own culture. And again, just to say, um, artists are the ones that create culture. Um, so if you think of the Renaissance, if you think of modern day culture, if you think of any form of time, Artists are the ones that have set the tone on what culture looks like. If you think about like eight years ago, nobody was wearing ripped jeans until Kanye said, well, I'm going to make some jeans and they're going to be ripped. And then all of a sudden, all we do is wear ripped jeans. Um, so if you think about culture, that sense, it's the artists that set the tone on the culture. And I think as Christian creators, we need to be able to set the tone for what our culture looks like. And that's me in a minute. And yeah, I'm done. All right. All right. So... Wow, uh, I wish we had more time, man, because <laughs> it feels like we, we just got started. Uh, so much to talk about. But I, I think for me, I was just I was listening to what you guys have been saying and some of the key things that, that jumped out for me, really. I just want to do a recap of what we've been talking about. You know, I, th I think some of the, the cool stuff or the bars that were dropped here were so deep. Uh, I'll start off with the one around around you know if, if you're going to engage culture you need to be an authentic voice I, I think that's so true and i think there's so much value in that and in a generation where everything is kind of fickle i think authenticity is like a very strong currency to have you know uh, and really just jump back to the beginning of the conversation around um you know, there's no, there's no divide between secular and spiritual. I mean, God created all things. He made them all good. And it's really up to us to work, you know, within within the context that we are into the glory of God. And, and I think that's Thank so true. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Candid Always. Conversations. Hope you enjoyed it.